0: Welcome, entrepreneur, to the Ignite Your Wellness podcast. My name is Dr. Alison McLean. I'm a physical therapist, yoga teacher, coach, and owner of Ignite Your Wellness. Here on the podcast, we discuss all things health and stress related. Also, you can live a more balanced and fulfilled life. Let's get to it. Hi there. Welcome back. Today I'm honored to bring on friend and physical therapist, Dave Candy. He works with a lot of chronic pain patients. So tune into this episode to hear some of his tips and tactics on if you have any pain or
1: issues that's going on in your body or have been going on for a long time. It's always nice to hear another perspective, get some insights and information to apply into your life right now. I hope you enjoy. Hi there, everyone. This is Alison McLean with Ignite Your Wellness, and I'm also with
2: Dr. Dave Candy from the St. Louis Pain Expert podcast.
1: And today we're going to be talking about how to reduce stress, how to reduce pain through lifestyle management. That was air quotes, you can't see. But essentially not adding one more thing to your to-do list, but Some tips, techniques to help you sleep better at night, feel better in your body, more confident and more so you can get more accomplished during your day, play with your grandkids. What other dreams and aspirations do your patients really want in their life?
2: You know, just to be able to do the everyday things, get out of bed without, you know, feeling like they are stiff and achy, to be able to, like you said, get on and off the floor to play with kids or to be able to do housework to be able to get back to you know, walking or exercise without you know, feeling like their back or their legs get too tired, just to be able to do the things that really make life worth living.
1: Yeah, truthfully. Well said. For me, I'm working a lot too with stress reduction because that can be very overwhelming and have a chain reaction physically in the body. It can exacerbate any low back issues or neck issues. But also it can kind of take over the life and then someone doesn't feel like they're actually experiencing joy or when they are home with their family, they're not able to relax, that sort of thing. So I'm also doing a lot of that. You mentioned you give some
2: stress relieving tips to your patients as well. Yeah, I do. And, you know, a lot of the people that I tend to wind up or that tend to find me are very like type A overachievers Mm -hmm. and they hold themselves to higher standards than anyone else holds them to. So, you know, sometimes they're their own worst enemy and causing stresses and unrealistic expectations that in the real world, probably no one else other than them actually holds.
1: Totally. I just had a client last week. She told me she was like, if a friend ever talked to me the way I talk to myself, I would not be their friend. I don't know why I'm this mean girl to myself. (laughs) totally beating themselves up.
2: You can't unfriend yourself, though. It's true.
1: Yeah, they're (laughs) stuck with you. (laughs) But yeah, I think it's so relatable, though, what my client was saying, because I think all of us at some time have this tendency to be our own worst critic. And I find a lot of my patients and clients will sometimes punish themselves through exercise or through yoga, like that their body should be performing a certain way or The way that they're actually relieving stress is through working out, which is great. However, how they're doing it is such from a punishing mindset, then it's leading to them being very sore and achy or flaring up a low back or such. Have you seen that?
2: I have, yeah. And there's a happy medium too. Doing exercise is good. Doing too much exercise is not good. And feeling obligated to exercise is certainly not. I myself used to be in a position where I would exercise 7 days a week and if I felt I missed a day I felt so guilty that you know, mm-hmm. I'd just spend the whole day thinking about gosh I really should have exercised today. This morning I just didn't feel like it and so I didn't but you know mm-hmm. most days out of the week I still do. And so having that grace to give yourself and say you know what today just isn't a day that I feel up to it. I'm not going to get any joy out of it. It's probably going to be a bad workout if I do go. I give myself permission to take a rest day.
1: Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I gave myself permission to stop running.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I did that a long, long time ago.
1: I know people love running. And some bodies, they're like their physical body, just physics helps them with running and they can run for life. For me, I'm very long-limbed and hypermobile and running just does not do well for my body. And I used to force myself to try to go. But now for me, I love walking. So I walk most days of the week and it's just becomes part of my lifestyle and it's stress relieving. I get outdoors into nature, which is also very grounding and relaxing. I do get my heart rate up because there's some significant hills around where I live. Sometimes I spend time with family when I do it. My daughter and my husband will come. Sometimes I go solo. I'm happy either way. Just, I love to walk.
2: Another thing we talk about with stress management a lot in my office is mindfulness and just being in the moment. And walking is one great way to do that. You know, you don't have to sit down and cross your legs on a mat and meditate like a Buddhist meditation. You know, it can simply be something like going out for a walk in nature. And rather than thinking about all the things that all the problems that you left behind or all the things you're going to come back to when you do get back home or back to the office, just Enjoying the moment, enjoying the sounds of the birds and the feel of the breeze and the smell of the flowers or whatnot, and just kind of taking that time to live in the moment and not worrying about yesterday or tomorrow.
1: Yeah, exactly. I teach that as well, because sometimes, especially if someone has low back pain or disc irritation or sciatica, sitting to meditate is super uncomfortable. And lying down might be more appropriate or walking might be more appropriate. How else do you teach the mindfulness day to day, moment
2: to moment? Well, breathing is a huge thing that, Mm -hmm. you know, we all breathe every day. It's something you have to do anyway, but just being conscious and aware of how you breathe, it can be incredibly relaxing, incredibly calming. And when you breathe appropriately using your diaphragm, it actually has some pretty strong pain relieving and stress relieving effects as well just through hormones that get released so spend a lot of time talking with people about breathing mm-hmm. and particularly people who have a lot of either neck pain or headaches tend to be you know they breathe from their neck muscles or breathe from their chest and in addition to just the hormonal component that puts a lot of stress on the muscles in their neck in their heads and their shoulders and that's why a lot of people carry again air quotes carry their stress in their shoulders so to speak
1: yeah totally I see that as well and that adds another layer on when we're breathing primarily from the stress and the neck then we're in a way fueling that fight or flight response because our heart rate is going faster our blood pressure is more elevated whereas when we're breathing more from the diaphragm then we're strengthening the vagus nerve and down regulating the nervous system so it has many different layers the breath and it can be Super simple, just following its path. You don't have to do anything fancy. However, there are many different types of breathing techniques we do in the yoga world over here.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know breathing is a huge component of yoga. And there are a lot of yoga type activities that I incorporate into my practice And certain poses. I don't practice it myself, but I think it's a great activity for the people who like it
1: yeah, what kind of postures and such do you usually teach
2: or cue? A few of my favorites. Uh, child's pose is a great one for anyone mm-hmm. with you know, low back problems. I find a lot of people with as issues. And so warrior pose is one that I teach a lot. Pigeon for people with hip rotator mm-hmm. problems. I don't use a ton, but those are probably the three that I teach people the most often.
1: Yeah, love it. What else do you teach or help with education, because I know you work with a lot of females, especially, that are in chronic pain to incorporate more pain-relieving activities or stress-relieving activities into their lifestyle, so they aren't adding
2: anything more to their to-do list. Mostly, it's teaching people how to do the things they're going to do anyway in a Mm -hmm. way that is better for their bodies. So, if they're going to be standing in the kitchen to stand with their pelvis rolled underneath of them so their spine's in more of a neutral position rather than leaning backwards, which a lot of people do just unconsciously. Or how to sit so that it's placing less pressure on their lower back or on their hips or on their sciatic nerve. How to sleep in positions that are going to put them in better positions. How to use their phone or their tablet or their computer at work. The things that they tend to have the most trouble doing, that's kind of where we start. You know, if you could do this one thing better, would that make your life a lot better? And then we start with that. And then what's the next thing that you find yourself having the most difficulty with from day to day? And we just kind of like take the lowest hanging fruit work backwards from there.
1: Yeah. So it's almost peeling the layers of the onion, starting more easiest, more superficial, and then maybe working to the deeper habits and such.
2: Yeah. And a lot of times underneath those superficial habits, there are, like you said, belief systems and negative self-talk and things that come down to why they're doing that, or sometimes it's just that things that they've been told about back pain or other types of pain that someone told them in good intention and just wrong or bad advice. I've seen numerous cases of back pain, lower back and upper back pain that comes from people just trying to sit or stand upright with good posture, so to speak. And there's a range that too slumped over is not good, but too upright is not good either.
1: Yeah. And sometimes we're not meant to like sit on a ball, a stability ball, or stand in a rigid posture for eight hours a day either. So people have heard sitting's not good. So then they try to do something else completely. They pivot to the totally other end of the spectrum. And then that exacerbates their issue too. And then they end up frustrated. They're like, what am I doing? I'm doing the right
2: things. (laughs) Those adjustable workstations are great for people who have the ability to get them work. even investing some of your own money in to buy one, because it's not great to sit eight hours a day, but it's not great to stand eight hours a day either. Mm -hmm. But Having the ability to go back and forth and sit for a few hours and stand for a few hours and sit for a few hours and stand for a few hours is certainly better than either one exclusively.
1: Yeah, exactly. Totally. And you mentioned as well, you incorporate some nutrition into lifestyle changes. What nutrition or dietary habits do you yourself addressing
2: most frequently? Usually it's the simple things that you can get really in depth with food sensitivities and food allergies and you know, testing for every little food sensitivity things, but starting with kind of like you said, the peeling back the layers of an onion or with starting with the low hanging fruit, stop drinking soda, drink more water, eat more fruits and vegetables, eat more wholesome things that come from nature and less things that come from boxes and packages. I mean, that in itself just takes care of 80% of the problems. And then, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes when I eat wheat, then I don't feel as great, well, then, you know, eat less wheat and you know, maybe you don't have to completely cut out gluten unless you have celiac disease. But if you find that you have trouble eating gluten or wheat, then just cut back on it. If you find you have trouble with dairy products, cut back on it. And give yourself permission again, sometimes, that, hey, I know I'm not going to feel good if I eat this ice cream cone, but I really want this ice cream cone, and it's my daughter's birthday, and I want to take part, so I'm going to eat the birthday cake or eat the ice cream cone and deal with the consequences this time, but it's a conscious choice.
1: Totally. Yeah, I talked about this at a couple of podcast episodes ago on mine, but I think that's super relevant and important to hear. We're recording this right during the holidays. And even if it's after the holidays, to not look back and beat yourself up, right? To make a conscious choice in that moment, whether it be someone's birthday or Christmas or Thanksgiving or Valentine's Day, whatever it is, like, hey, I might indulge a bit and it might have these negative consequences, but that's okay. You don't have to add that, as Tara Brock calls it, the second arrow to the heart where you beat yourself up you shame yourself, and then you contribute to more stress and tension. And then sometimes then people overeat more bad stuff to make themselves feel better. <laughs> that kind of
2: becomes a snowball. It does. And you know, with a lot of things dietary wise, or even breathing wise, I find that people get so stressed out about doing it right, so to speak, that they end up causing themselves more stress than they're relieving. And in most things in life will get you good results. That if you do the right thing 80% of the time and you mess up 20% of the time, most of the time you're going to be okay.
1: Yeah, I like that 80-20 rule. I kind of go along with that philosophy in my life too. Like I don't do too well if I eat too much sugar or too much gluten, definitely dairy. But on occasion I might have a little bit, maybe it sneaks by me or it's my daughter's birthday and I just want to celebrate with her. And that's okay. I've learned to give myself more compassion and just forgiveness and enjoying the moments. And then I find myself feeling happier and more grateful and less stressed out, essentially. (laughs) (laughs) So any other tips you find yourself giving frequently to your patients and clients?
2: Sleep is a big one. Sleep habits are are a big one that when you don't sleep well, everything hurts more. You tend to be more irritable, more stressed, and just some little habits around the way the things you do during the day, as well as at nighttime or right before bed can make a huge impact on your sleep. So if you're someone who is on their phone and checking Facebook last thing at night and first thing in the morning, your body's being exposed to those blue lights, which your brain and your body give you the same sort of reaction as if it was high noon light. So being aware of not using blue lights that much right before the hour before you go to bed, not watching violent or action movies or things that kind of get you in that flight or flight mode, doing Mm -hmm. more calming, relaxing activities like having a cup of tea or listening to some calm music or reading a book, things that help you kind of wind down that hour before bedtime are, are great. Getting more on a consistent sleep schedule Rather than hey, I'll go to bed when I feel tired and wake up when my alarm goes off, or wake up when I feel like it. Kind of getting your body in a rhythm to where when it hits 10 o'clock or 10:30 or whatever time you choose to be your bedtime consistently, that you're pretty much ready to go to bed. You're starting to feel tired, and then when it's six o'clock or whatever time you choose to wake up, that your body starts to wake up even before your alarm goes off, so that your body's more in a natural circadian rhythm that. It's how people function before we had alarm clocks and deadlines and things like that.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I find for myself, I can't check Facebook or any social media or email right before bed because a lot of times will trigger me into that fight or flight and it'll totally take me out of that relaxation, that calming effect that you need before sleep where the melatonin's kicking in and such, it'll like wake me up. And I'm like, oh, I got to do this now. So that's another reason why not only the blue light, but the emotional or triggering response that some posts or emails may have. Do you find yourself giving any tips to people if they like wake up in the middle of the night at like 1.30 or 2.30, for example, and can't get back to sleep?
2: Well, a lot of people will wake up because of having to use the restroom or something like mm-hmm. that. But if it is pain-related, changing positions is a great thing. If you find that you're in bed for 20 minutes or more and can't get back to sleep, a lot of times I'll tell people to get up for a little period of time, get out of bed, go to an easy chair or something, read a few pages in a book, listen to some calming music, and you'll start to get tired again, and then go back to bed and go back to sleep. But the percentage of time you spend in bed where you're asleep and where you're awake if you're spending a lot of awake time in bed, then your body actually starts to associate bed with, well, sometimes I'm asleep in here and sometimes I'm awake, so I don't really know what to do. But if the majority of time you spend in bed is time you spend sleeping, your body almost starts to get this Pavlonian response that it sees the bed and it feels tired. So I tell people not to just toss and turn and lie awake in bed for long periods of time, even if it means you sacrifice a little bit of. It's not even sacrificing sleep because you're not sleeping. You're just being awake Mm in bed. So be awake somewhere else.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And I sometimes what's helpful for me is I'll do the breathing techniques that we talked about earlier, sometimes just following the path of the breath or just lengthening the exhale, which again, brings in that vagal nerve that can help me to fall back to sleep. What I always tell people is do not pick up the phone. (laughs) It's such a natural tendency. I'm awake. I'll just browse my phone till I fall back to sleep. But I think your suggestion is much more beneficial, actually, just getting out of bed, read a calming book or have some tea, keep the lights low, and then allow yourself to get sleepy again and then go back to sleep where the phone can really be stimulating again.
2: Right. And on the breathing, like you said, a lot of people who, if it's not pain related, if it's just that. A lot of my clients, they can't get their mind shut off. They have a thousand different possibilities going through their head, Mm -hmm. either replaying all the things that happened the prior day or anticipating all the things that might be upcoming in the future and 15 different ways that the scenario could play out when in reality, Mm -hmm. it may not be any one of those 15 ways, just trying to ground yourself in the present, like you said, doing some breathing or some meditation or gratitude is another great thing. Thinking about things that you're grateful for kind of takes your mind off all the stresses and negative emotions that will tend to keep you away.
1: Totally. And there's a lot of research to support gratitude. In fact, I just did a post about it in my group. And so there's different facets of gratitude, even when combined with mindfulness practice, or even just practice on its own, how it can help with diagnoses such as depression anxiety and then you know when you're feeling better you're happier then you're less likely the back issue is not such a big debilitating issue as well so it can have a snowball effect with all these areas of your health it's a huge one.
2: Oh, for sure and i mean pain at its core level is essentially your body saying hey there's something wrong here you should do something about it and that might mean there's something wrong in your back or in your muscles, it might mean there's something wrong, like an emotional stress that's going on and your body doesn't really know the difference that whether it's a physical stress or an emotional stress, stress is stress and your body's going to react to that in the same way with the same response.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then what neural pathways do you want to train? It's like that saying, what wolf do you want to feed?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Well, uh, any other parting words of wisdom or thoughts
2: you'd like to share today, Dave? A lot of people, especially if it's going to be coming out around the holidays, a lot of people make health-related resolutions when it comes to the new year. You know, even if you're listening to this at some other time, if you want to make a change in your health, you know, don't feel like you have to tackle the whole world at once. Just trying to break it down and tackle one small bit at a time get some small wins that maybe if you want to stop smoking, it's not that you quit cold turkey, but you just reduce by two cigarettes a day for 10 weeks. And by then you cut out a pack a day. Or Mm -hmm. if you want to eat better, then maybe just cut out soda the first week and then cut out chips. And it doesn't mean that day one, you have to go from zero to a hundred percent because you might lose weight fast, but you probably won't stick to it if you make drastic unsustainable lifestyle changes.
1: Awesome, I love it. Well, thank you for sharing your time here today.
2: Likewise, I appreciate it, it was fun talking to you.
1: Yeah.
0: Wait, before you go, are you looking for the next step to dive a little bit deeper? Well, hello over to igniteyourwellness.com. That's igniteyourwellness.com, one word, where you can sign up for your free stress reduction planning call. Why do you need this call? Well, in this stress reduction planning call, we'll go over the step-by-step formula to transform from being stressed out and overwhelmed to balanced and fulfilled. It's what you need to get back on track so you feel more productive and profitable in your business and present and relaxed at home. I mean, that's why we have the business in the first place, right? To have more time freedom? You already know the importance of self-care however, thinking of adding one more thing to your already hectic schedule causes anxiety? Or maybe you try to do some yoga, relax at home, and suddenly your kids are urgently needing your help, and the mom guilt surfaces. As a business owner, you must learn how to prioritize your needs for the success of not only your business, but your life. Learn the step-by-step formula to reduce stress, improve your health, create time for the activities you love, and be present with your family. Do this without the worry and guilt while creating fulfillment in your business and your life. Not ready to chat quite yet? Well, head over to the homepage, igniteyourwellness.com. You can download a free wellness survival kit for the stressed out entrepreneur. In there are PDFs. There's even a free five day nervous system reset challenge. There's videos, handouts, It'll guide you through stress relief in just five days. So make sure you get that and so much more. I hope you enjoy. Bye for now.